there, you're listening to the Park Crush Podcast. This is a Thing Park Podcast. I'm Tom. Joining me, as ever, is Josh. Hello there, Tom. How are you? How you doing? Oh, I'm not too bad. What happened there? Where was the elongated hello that I've come to know and love? Well, you know, we're, we're spoilers recording on a Friday this week, so I thought I'd mix up my uh, intro as well. Have you had a long, tiring week of work? Is you haven't had the sort of relaxation of a Friday evening, Saturday morning to kind of spruce yourself up a bit, and that's why it was a slightly more restrained hello? Uh, usually I have a disappointing Friday evening where I get absolutely demolished at Formula One, the video game, so I have to perk myself back up for uh, this podcast by having you know, a really uh, showy intro we haven't got that far down the road yet, so I haven't yet lost. So uh, I'm in good good state, in fact. Well, I'm glad to hear it, although there is a very obvious solution to this weekly problem that you face, and that is to just stop playing that goddamn game. Maybe oh. mix it up a bit, Josh. I don't know. Play with some of your other friends for a change. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving on. It's actually been a pretty good week, Josh. Lockdown has started to be eased kind of like properly, I guess the theme parks have reopened. Uh, Alton Towers even made it onto the front of the Financial Times. Oh my God, we're real news. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can't get real enough. It's just about the only sensible newspaper left. And if theme parks are making it onto the front of that, then I guess this is it's as good as it gets, really, in terms of recognition uh, among the mainstream news outlets. We just need to be quoted in one of their articles as, you know, the experts that we actually are. Yeah. Uh, Top of our field. Absolutely. Clearly, clearly top of the field. Certainly, at least in the UK, I would suggest. I am obviously a massive UK theme park expert. (laughs) And we're only, uh, what, five days away now from uh, this UK theme park expert's first ever trip to Thorpe Park. (laughs) (laughs) Which is... Which is very exciting and uh, I mean I guess as I've mentioned it there Josh you, you, you've seen some speculation that when we go next week we might actually see some signs of some potential construction some preparation at least for some additions well uh, I think it might just be off off the beaten path so we might not go over in that corner because that corner has been uh, kind of dead for a little while unless you go to the Halloween Horror Nights there uh, equivalent anyway uh, Fright Night, as we call it. But it does look like there has been a large uh, area cleared of trees. You can see it on Google Maps. Um, and if you go down the public footpath that sort of runs behind Thorpe Park, you can also see it as well. But yeah, large area of trees been cut down. Quite a lot. Is it for a new ride, maybe? Is it for a new uh, permanent maze or like a Halloween uh, Fright Night maze? Who's to say right now? But the trees are definitely gone um, from an area that has been uh, forested for quite some time. So you'd think that it's definitely for something theme park related. Well, you know, you you would hope they have a good excuse to be chopping down trees in this era of climate activism, Josh. You know. Oh, yeah, for sure. Once we're through coronavirus, it's uh, the climate that will kill us and that we need to worry about. So, uh, you know, I love roller coasters as much as the next thing pop podcast person, but I also don't want to uh, be killed by a devastating natural disaster uh, before my time. So 
they're chopping down the lungs of the earth, as they like to be known. They, they better have good reason to. Better but be I, I don't think any, we'd have to dig around planning applications and things like that. That's how you find out the scoops when it comes to new theme park projects. Is looking at really mundane council mm. application forms and trying to work stuff out from there. That, that's what a journalist would do anyway. I don't know any of those. Um, as far as I'm aware, nothing has been um, put in place planning application-wise. So um, they could be clearing it and then going to be doing some like preliminary testing. It might just be for a um, temporary structure where you then don't need planning permission. Um, like a Halloween uh, Fright Night's Maze would only probably be a temporary structure, so you wouldn't need planning permission for that. You'd have to wait and see. Absolutely. Well... Yeah, it's been a big week for uh, theme park reopenings. Not only have all the UK parks been allowed to reopen this week, uh, a couple of the uh, big California theme parks have also reopened this week. We've had uh, SeaWorld San Diego, which has been operating as a zoo for a little while here, but has now uh, reopened its rides, is now operating as a theme park again. So that's good news, obviously still with limited capacity and all that, but a good step forward for SeaWorld. But with all due respect... I think the more exciting reopening in California this week was Universal Studios Hollywood, and that's because we got two new attractions out of it, one being a refresh for an existing ride, one being a, a, new, a brand new ride that was meant to have opened just about a year ago, uh, but has finally been able to open, and that is The Secret Life of Pets, which yeah, uh, I still haven't seen those films. I do have a few days off next week. Maybe I'll finally get to them because I've been inspired, Josh. I've watched the... I've watched a video of someone going through this ride, going through the queue area, which I look, think looks fantastic, and then the ride itself. Yeah. And as far as sort of family dark rides go, this is kind of as good as it gets, really. I, I was really impressed with what I saw, and you watched it as well. And you also haven't seen the films, right? So you were coming Correct. in fresh. Yes. Um, yeah, I, re- I think it would look really cool. He gave me a sort of Men in Black vibe, like, like the Men in Black alien attack ride vibe. Yeah, when they handed you a gun and started telling you to shoot the dogs, <laughs> I was... Take it aback, but I I was into it. I was into it. It was um, a bold, yeah, a bold move that I didn't expect. I I, I couldn't do it. I'd shoot the cats instead, as we all know. Yeah, that's what it should have been, right? It should have been a cats v dogs ride, and you yeah. get split up at the end of the queue, and you either end up on team dog or team cat, and then you have to shoot cats or dogs depending on which team you're on, and then you get scored at the end. God, remember that film. The, of course I do, Josh. How could I forget? Because it was Spider-Man himself, Tobey Maguire, that played the main character, <laughs> the hi- hero dog, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. So that was a great time. But yes, uh, Secret Love of Pets looks cool. I, I, I mean, the, the big thing that was being uh, promoted about this ride before it opened was the, the sort of screen tech that, uh, quote unquote, changes you into uh, a dog. It's a bit unclear as to whether or not you can also get changed into a cat or even some other type of pet. Uh, the videos I've seen, it's it's only been dogs, but yeah, that's a novel piece of tech. It's not dissimilar from what the Haunted Mansion does, I suppose, or that Legoland ride that's coming to the New York Legoland when that opens. But yeah, good good fun. But like I said, the queue was what kind of impressed me straight out of the gate. Like I really liked the theming. You noticed uh, a Tower of Terror gag. I did, yeah. I thought that was interesting. It's got to be Tower of Terror related, right? It's uh, a lift that's out of order. It's got uh, stylistic gates like Tower of Terror. It's got the, uh, um, I don't know what you call it, the the numbers above the lift door. 
um, the floors. Floor you, yeah, the floors. Yeah. But it's got like a yeah. it's like a sun like a clock dial sort of thing, isn't it? Um, that's right. very Tower of Terror. So um, mm. it's got to be it's got to be Tower of Terror related. Well, Universal aren't shy of sort of poking fun at Disney attractions or attractions from other parks. Generally, obviously, the Simpsons ride does that has great fun with. Yeah, the Pirates of the Caribbean joke and the It's a Small World gag and the spoofing the Shamu, uh, Shamu show as yeah. well. So they're not shy of doing that kind of thing. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if it was very much a, a gag directed at Tower of Terror. But, one. yeah, just a good mix of, like, physical uh, sets and animatronics and screens in the queue, and that then extends into the ride itself as well. And obviously they've got the voice cast from the film, so very authentic if you're a fan. It kind of all goes over my head a little bit because, like I said, I haven't seen the films, but uh, I should probably get to them. I I like to have some sort of knowledge of my theme park stuff before I go to said theme parks. And this is definitely a theme park that I would like to go to at some point. But I guess, you know, as far as family dark rides go, modern family dark rides, this seems to me like it would be right up there, really. I mean, you compared it to something like Cat in the Hat, which probably feels a bit old these days. I think you could probably more fairly compare this to maybe not maybe not quite Ratatouille. I think that is something really special, but it's not far off from that. No, yeah, I think Cat, Cat in the Hat is sort of um, more thematic than anything, causing carnage at the beginning and then cleaning up at the end. Obviously, it's uh, kind of stereotypical right, yeah. quite a lot, a lot of those rides, but... Obviously, it's got the specific cleaning element to it, which Cat in the Hat does. Yeah. I mean, like I said before we started recording, Cat in the Hat has wronged me. Uh, or I guess it's, you know, it's not Cat in the Hat himself. I'm sure he is a, a fine it's not gentleman the cat, nor the hat. for all his flaws. It is, it is, you know, the universal creative team who I love and respect, but still disappointed after all these years that they took all of the thrill out of the Cat in the Hat ride, the intense... <laughs> spinning uh, and the throwing you about a little bit as well to uh, match the crash bang wallop sound effects uh, that that used to be a genuinely fun ride you know yes and yeah, they, yeah. they've they've taken all that away it's it just goes through at a snail snail's pace these days and the older it gets the um more noticeable that becomes really because you're not it's not like you're at least uh, going at a speed that allows you to admire some state-of-the-art animatronics and set design because all that stuff is more than 20 years old now and <laughs> it kind of shows. So Yeah, very much so. That's a shame. Um, they should do like, you know, some rides have like a gentle version and a, and, a, and a more thrilling version. Like you can choose what kind of experience you get. I don't know why they can't turn that on for Cat in the Hat, you know, getting the uh, high-speed Cat in the Hat yeah. car or the... Or the one for, you know, wusses. I guess. Yeah, I, I guess yeah, I the thrilling one would then catch up to the slow one, right? <laughs> uh, that would be. Uh, well, it would just become like bumper cars. Yeah. To be fair, that would be that would be great. I would, and it would fit with You'd the theme of the story. Um, yeah, maybe. Um, I just I'm going looking at this Secret Life of Pets run again. I don't know if you noticed in the video, but the attendees that are seating people on the ride seem to have their phones out or some sort of device that is phone-looking. I don't know what it is. One of them looks like she's just on Tinder swiping right all the time. <laughs> like she's doing that exact motion with her thumb and it's like, well, I that can't know. be what it is, is it, right? Is it right? I, I would assume ride operations are now not 
possible on some sort of cast member app, right? They still have to use <laughs> actual buttons and things. Or or maybe I don't know, is it is there any sort of way in which the ride personalizes personalizes itself to each individual rider which would require know, them to input something onto a, into the phone? You know, obviously the ET passports are you know, if they were to do something similar to that these days, they would probably make it. You know, they'd probably put it through a phone, right, rather than hand everyone a passport and a and whatever. Yeah, there'd probably be a, a way more twenty uh, first century friendly, streamlined way of doing something like that. I but I don't think that's, I don't what think this that's is, what's going on. I think the, the I think this is connected to the a, um, a pet thing. It's just the camera, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. I think this is. I think this is connected into the. Um, control mechanism for the ride and so you you okay every so i guess it's kind of like haunted mansion i guess right so in haunted mansion if they have an issue they like put their hand up and then someone who is watching them can then stop the ride mm. whereas here they just okay each carriage as they walk past it right yeah um, as they as they see everyone down and the bars are locked they then okay it um and then i guess if they don't okay it, or if the signal doesn't go through then the ride will stop so you still have that safety mechanism in there, but um, it means that they don't have to have another person just watching for hand signals in a booth somewhere. They can sort of manage that on the floor, as it were. It's yeah. interesting. I'm, yeah. I might have to do some digging into that for next week. Do you think... Well, next week, Josh, it'll be a Thought Park trip report, all being Oh, well. boy. Hell, yeah. Uh, do you think this ride will come to Florida or, or any other Universal Parks? Um... If it does come to Florida, I feel like you'd have to maybe you'd then be redoing kind of the Barney area, which obviously has been earmarked for sort of Nintendo stuff, or maybe the um, kind of Cat in the Hat Doctor Zeus landing area. Um, I think you would it would be a re an update of one of those two areas if that's going to happen. I don't think either of them is on the cards right now. I guess in theory you could do a Toon Lagoon update. But I don't know how that yeah. would go down. I mean, Popeye, I'm a big fan of Popeye in this household, other than my mum, uh, me and my dad. If we, We're upset. If we see that it's down, we're upset. It, it almost ruins the day. Oh, dear. So, yeah. So it'd be, it, would be, it would be a shame if it was to replace that. Obviously, no word of any of that, as far as we know. So, uh, yeah. What, I guess it could fit, sort of fit. I don't know. It's like, where do you fit it? Thematically, it would work in Universal Studios, right? Because they've still got that sort of town area, city area, as you sort of walk in. So it's sort of well, fit thematically back there, but whether it's fit whether it would fit physically in that Shrek yeah. building, for example. Um, oh, maybe. I mean, that would yeah. that would that would require a complete redesign of what that space is used for. Yeah, which I think makes it unlikely. I think if Shrek ever goes, it would probably be be, be replaced by another theatre show. Yeah, but, I'd imagine so. Despicable Me, Minion Mayhem is probably not big enough either for this. No, no, but then not. The Blue Man Group's not there anymore. If they don't get anyone to go into that space, maybe they can expand into that space for it. They should just let that be a permanent home for the Blues Brothers, you know. So they're not ju- they don't just oh. do street shows. They actually have a dedicated space, you know, the respect they finally deserve. They oh don't yeah, have to go so. begging around Hollywood Boulevard. They actually. Yeah, have a space for themselves to perform every day. Have like a like a jailhouse themed show. 
Yeah. Like at the end of the film. Yeah. Definitely. What about what about Jurassic World, the ride? There has been a lot of talk this week, given how well received that's been, as to whether or not... And, of course, the partial partial retheming of Jurassic Park at Islands of Adventure, and that's now becoming this sort of interesting hybrid. And I was reading some interesting comments from one of the designers of the Velocicoaster about how they've very much taken that into account in terms of the design of that attraction the fact that it's technically set within a within the original Jurassic Park rather than the Jurassic World theme park from the newer films and how they've sort of made sure the sight lines work in a way that doesn't uh, compromise that fact and kind of keeps it feeling kind of consistent and I think any sign that you have from the Velocicoaster of other parts of Jurassic Park they're kind of hidden behind like in-gen logos which is one of the only things that's really consistent between the Jurassic Park films and the Jurassic World films is the in-gen like genetics company which ultimately develops the dinosaurs mm. that has stayed the same but I, I found that interesting and so I think yeah. the, the fact that they've thought about that would maybe imply that they're in no rush to retheme the Jurassic Park river adventure because they don't feel the need to but I'm, that, I'm not that, sure that Jurassic fit- World ride does look really good what they've done to that in hollywood like it looked cool last year or you know when it first opened but the work they've done to it since covid has made it even better yeah it does look it's very good like the beginning bit and the the outro the bit before the drop as well all look excellent i think they've done a really good job of it would it fit i don't it feels like it's quite a big a much bigger space than at um islands so i don't know whether it'd fit but I guess it could, in theory. I would welcome it. I think, I think it's a better. The the beginning bit is just so good in terms of the you know the water with the splashing and and all that stuff. I think that yeah. was really really great. So it'd certainly be a welcome uh, addition for me, anyway. Um, yeah. I'd- so I mean, you're talking about the bit in the start of the ride where it looks like you're basically going through the tank that houses the I can't remember what its name is, but that big carnivorous water dinosaur dinosaur. that eats that woman horribly and and they're doing like Shamu style shows with it at the Jurassic World park in the film but obviously it's Mm. a terrifying deadly creature and yeah you go through a tunnel that makes it look like you're kind of surrounded on all sides kind of like the King Kong tech on Skull Island yeah it's uh, yeah they've done some cool um, uh, merging of the of the screen tech and, and physical tech which I think is what Universal really excels at generally to have moments where the dinosaur is splashing on the screen and and actual water will be thrown over the side and towards you in the in the actual boat to kind of um kind of meld those two worlds together which is cool but yes it is the finale that they've done the most work on for the covid reopening with the indomosaurus rex facing off against the t-rex and i've seen a lot of people say like hey, if you think this looks good on a video, which is obviously all we've been able to see it from so far, uh, you, you you don't know what you're missing. Like in actual real life, it's truly incredible. And Universal have come a long way with their animatronic stuff, I think. Like I think the first... Universal animatronics have always been pretty good, but I think Disney has always been considered the kind of creme de la creme. But I, oh, I, yeah. I remember being truly wowed by the forbidden journey the harry potter ride although that has started to show its age in some ways then being truly wowed again by the kong at the end of skull island like I, that, that kong, kong is, is excellent 
incredible. Uh, yeah. Obviously heard really good things about the Hagrid uh, and magical creatures, motorbike, mm-hmm. escapade into the unknown, <laughs> but not seen that for myself yet either. So it su- doesn't surprise me that, that people are really impressed by these new dinos. But it, yeah, very excited to hopefully one day be able to see it for myself. And you watched the video in full for the first time this week. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's pretty damn cool. Um, I enjoyed it. My parents enjoyed it as well. They they thought it looked cool. Um, they'd be up for it coming to Ireland as well. So who knows? Hopefully, maybe. Does it fit? Who knows? Can they get it to fit? Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> Unparalleled insight from the Parkcraft yep. podcast. That's why you're here. <laughs> Certainly why I turn up every week. And another example of it there. <laughs> Sensational stuff. Doesn't get better. I mean, we basically ad-libbed this thing every week with no notes. I, th- I feel like it's impressive that we've made it to 129 episodes. It's incredible, quite frankly. I, I stand myself every week. Yeah, it's a joke, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I get asked every week, oh, are you still doing that theme park podcast? Yeah. How? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. Here we are. But here we are, indeed. Yeah, I'm, I, I must admit, I, I always felt like I'd end up being very protective of the river adventure because I love the original Jurassic Park and I don't really like Jurassic World. But, you know, there's only so far an IP will take a theme park ride. Like, it obviously adds a lot to it, but it needs to also be a fantastic ride. And I think river adventure still is, but if you can yes. make the ride part of it better, then the IP takes on less significance i mean there are plenty of really great theme park rides that i don't care for from an ip perspective or great theme park rides that don't even have an ip attached to them i mean we i talk a lot about how i think my favorite roller coasters are all at bush gardens and they are you know very loosely tied to animals <laughs> yeah. not based on like films that i love on the other hand of course there is there are times where ip does truly enhance uh, what might otherwise be a fairly standard ride experience. I mean, the uh, version of Space Mountain in Paris, for example, I think benefits a ton from the Star Wars re-theme they did to that, uh, more yeah, so really than cool. I would have expected. So it works both ways, but I think on balance, given just how good those new dino animatronics look, I think I'm leaning towards, yeah, I would like a Jurassic World re-theme for the River Adventure. But some people have suggested that they... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say the best thing about Jurassic World is that it is an actual theme park in the film and therefore mm. it makes a perfect like bed like theme for theme park rides. So even though Jurassic World is not a great film and the sequel is also not a very good film, certainly compared to Jurassic Park, the original, um, it's such so much better thematically for theme park rides. Um, so it just kind of makes sense that, you know, you you certainly don't lose anything other than a logo, really, from moving from Jurassic Park River Adventure to uh, Jurassic World The Ride. No, I, th- I think you're right. I think purely from a sort of ride experience perspective, uh, this looks like a step up from what River Adventure was. There has been some suggestion from people that Universal made a, a deliberate choice, though, to go with a brand new with what is a brand new ride in Velocicoaster when it came to oh how do we freshen up Jurassic Park at Islands do we 
because you know you, you say re-theme and you kind of almost think of it as being a pretty easy job but I, th- I don't think it always is and I think this is an example of when it absolutely isn't going to be something that's cheap or straightforward because whilst yes broadly it is the same type of ride and the same ride um, the the changes to what surrounds the ride itself is complex and expensive like those animatronics don't come cheap and you've seen how easily they can break and how the ability to maintain those animatronics properly is something that kind of informs the very way in which those rides are designed from the start we've seen what happens Mm. when that when that isn't taken into account because they can't fix the yeti the yeti on (laughs) everest and yet they can fix the navi on the avatar boat journey yeah. because they thought about that from the start so if they were to redesign the river adventure or retheme the river adventure would they run into a similar problem where oh if the really amazing new indomosaurus rex breaks is the show building has the show building been built in such a way that makes it easy for us to go in and fix it or are we going to be in a situation where oh damn this show building is 25 years old was not built for uh, us to be able to easily access the animatronics and therefore if the indomitsaur breaks because it's a more complicated animatronic and will break more easily than the t-rex that's been in there for 20 years uh then we're buggered uh yeah and i mean that that t-rex that's been in there uh for 25 years as you say is is yeah. basically just like it, it leans forward right it's not exactly yeah it's just a head and it it yeah. doesn't move very much yeah so it's it's, it's very much different and i think you're absolutely right is there even enough space up there to fit this new animatronic in uh, to have that battle like they do in at the end of Jurassic World? Who who really knows? So I think it's a very good way of if you put it out in California um, and then people on the East Coast and yeah you know, internationally then call for it to become uh, a thing at islands. Then I think maybe they can do it, but it it give, very much gives them an in or an out. You know, you can test it without. Uh, upsetting too many people i think for sure for sure i i i you know they're on my theme park bucket list already uh the hollywood parks the california parks uh you know this just makes me all the more keen to uh to to see universal hollywood for myself one day knowing that there is you know serious investment going into it and as we talked about a few weeks ago as well there's serious investment planned for disneyland out there and, and california adventure so there are plenty of reasons to be excited for those parks as tourists as well as uh, for the locals that live near them because they've always i think haven't they been seen more as like parks for locals but i think yeah uh, um, you know these, sure, that's... these kinds of additions will make them uh, you know if not as attractive to tourists as the florida parks because those have always felt like grander two to three week holidays for people where you're going for the theme parks if you're a tourist going to hollywood there's a chance you're going for something other than the theme parks and you might just go to the theme parks while you're there uh, but if they continue to invest invest in them to this extent then they might actually become the primary reason for some people to go to california yeah i think very much uh this one of the for disney anyway you know the fact that they've kind of used uh, COVID as a way to get rid of the annual pass down there or very much completely change the annual pass when it comes back as well um, they're looking to expand both parks down there um, they're very much trying to get a different audience to one they're traditionally getting down there um, and I think that's a way of trying to get more money through the door you've got to think that most of the people uh, at that park were traditionally locals 
Um, most of them had annual passes, so they were paying up front and they're not generally not buying food in the parks um, or getting discounted food, getting discounted merch, etc. And then pricing, and because of that, they were forcing people that are coming internationally to not be able to get as many tickets, you know, because annual passes, whatever. So very much they're trying to move that park or those parks into an area where they can try and get more of the international um, and I guess more of the domestic market instead of just California state market. Um, I think that's kind of with with the change of the annual pass and then the change to, or the Disney forward stuff, Disneyland forward, sorry. Um, that's kind of, that trajectory is kind of becoming clearer to see there. Indeed, yes. Uh, they're exciting all the same. Yes. And then, so. uh, speaking of theme parks that were on my bucket list, and I should have already crossed them off by now, really, but uh, Tokyo Disney, and uh, more even more excitingly than that, Disney Sea. Uh, oh, boy. Both on the bucket list, of course, should have been going yep. last spring. Who knows now? There's talk uh, again that they might have to just flat out cancel the Olympics <laughs> because coronavirus is still a major issue in, uh, well, everywhere, of course, but in Japan, you know, they're not doing particularly well on the vaccine front. Just keeps going, doesn't it? Well, yeah, I think, you know, the the danger that countries are finding themselves in, I think, you know, even the ones that have... Ultimately, the only way to manage coronavirus in 2020 was through lockdowns and restrictions because there was no vaccine. So the, the countries that we think of as having dealt with it best last year were the ones that imposed the quickest and strictest restrictions and were able to keep a lid on the disease. Um, but of course, that's not particularly sustainable. You can't do that for, you know, in perpetuity every time it, it it comes back. People will get impatient and will start to want you to come up with a more sustainable solution. And that solution, hopefully, is the vaccines. So we're in this kind of weird situation where some of the countries that dealt with it the most terribly last year, and this is in no getting the vaccine stuff right, in no way excuses how badly some countries handled it last year, like us and like the UK, uh, like the US. But at least people can see a light at the end of the tunnel with the vaccines. And therefore, you know, in the UK, for example, adherence to the lockdown this year, although it came too late, has been quite good because people have had this promise of, well, there are vaccines at the end of this tunnel and that will help us get back to normal. Whereas in a place like Japan, which by and large did okay last year by the standards of a lot of major developed economies in terms of like death toll and whatever, you know, the health impact of the pandemic. Uh, they're now in a situation where it seems like people are you know, people have become sick of lockdowns, so uh, adherence to lockdowns isn't as strong, and therefore there's more reliance on your vaccine program. And this hasn't gone very well so far; it's been very slow. So they could end up in a rough situation. So if, you know, if the Olympics get cancelled, then it doesn't look good for getting yourself to a theme park anytime soon. No, no, sure. it's all, it's almost like you needed to do both. Uh, what they did early on and then what we've done later on. It's almost like both of those mm. things should have been done. Yeah, I'd, I mean, to be fair, I don't think there's any country out there really that has got so far, you know, step one, containment, right, and then step two, vaccination, right, because the countries that contained it best have shown less, I guess, desperation uh, to get cracking on their vaccine programme. Mm. Uh, for some countries that's still not been a problem for them like New Zealand because they kept incidents of the virus so low yeah uh, even they... having not really got going on vaccines that much yet it's still not 
really proving to be a problem for them. Uh, but they're but, so sort of uh, insular in such to a certain mm. extent. They their main trading partner is Australia, who has done a very similar job to them. Not as good, but very similar. So it's been quite easy for them to maintain it internally between the two of them to keep their numbers down low. If they were trading or needed to trade as much as Japan does and we do and the US does on a con- consistently regular basis, then there's potential for that to have been different. Obviously, we're getting into uh, political semantics at that point, I think. But It's true. Uh, back to uh, theme parks, uh, Peter Pan Tangled Frozen. Hey! hey. Uh, uh, yes, the point of this is that Tokyo Dizzy Sea have uh, shared a first look at a scale, scale model for their Fantasy Springs land, which is opening, I think it's due for 2023. Uh, they turn around yes. these things pretty quick because uh, this looks like a sizable project uh, if it's up to the standards of the rest of that park then it will no doubt be truly fantastic uh, three beloved ips from uh, you know two of them from the 21st century one from some time ago peter pan um, so they need, need to do justice to them and it is uh i think the largest expansion in the park's history so it, it's yeah, sizable um yeah there's a lot of excitement for it and it only only being two years away. I mean, when you think how long it can take for, I mean, they're going to turn this whole land round quicker than Disney turned round uh, turn round the Guardians coaster in Epcot, right? Uh, yeah, and uh, God, don't crazy. get me started on uh, London Resort. <laughs> yeah. Oh Jesus. Uh, but no, this looks great. It's going to have uh, Neverland. It's going to have Rapunzel's Tower, and it's going to have the the castle in Frozen. What's the place called in Frozen? Uh, Arendelle. The land of Frozen. Arendelle, that's it. Um, it look And so it's really interesting. Oh, God, this is not a great map because it's in Japanese. Uh, I can't read Japanese. Um, I oh was dear. curious because uh, in the model, there's like a, um, a berm uh, or... A what? I guess, a berm. Uh, I don't know what a, that is, Josh. It, it's a, a large mound of dirt. So uh, around Disney... <laughs> But around Disneyland and Disney World, uh, there is a berm, to, which is the divider between the real world and Disneyland within. It was one of Walt's things to try and keep the two apart. And you can sort of see a similar idea with Star. There's two Star Wars Galaxy's Edge lands where you have that sort of uh, tunnel-like system. I guess at uh, Nintendo Land as well, Super Nintendo, uh, Super Mario Nintendo Land, whatever the bloody hell it's called these days. Um, where you have that entranceway, which is um, sort of berm-like, in certainly in the Galaxy's Edge sort of style in California, where it's sort of like rockery and stuff, and you walk through, and then it opens up. It's a very much similar hit thing here, with but with uh, but it looks on this berm, which is the point I was trying to get to at, like there is a bridge across it, like a road across it. So I don't know whether it's going to. It looks like it's going to a separate sort of side of the park that hasn't been built or isn't sort of part of the main area as it were right um, yeah it looks like there's like a service road that they're not getting rid of so you have to go underneath this service road to uh get to the expansion area which is where this fantasy springs is going which looks like it was formerly car park it's quite hard to tell just um this is very off topic but you just mentioned nintendo world there and it just made me think of this uh, video game story. Well, kind of video game stroke Lego story that I saw earlier. And uh, it's kind of amazing, but also creepy. You know, all that Mario Lego stuff that's been coming out over the past 
I don't know, it feels like maybe for the last year or so. I think it I think it sort of was one of those things that just so happened to coincide with the lockdown last year, I think. And I was very tempted to spend a stupid amount of money on some of this Lego Mario stuff. You won't be oh, surprised God. to hear. That doesn't surprise yeah. me at all. No, I mean, they've done some like crazy like sets that you can build levels and stuff out of Lego. But there's also just like a Mario that you can build. And I think he, he's kind of an he's electronic as well. So he'll talk and stuff. And I think the face part has, has is kind of almost like a screen. So he can like blink and it sounds a bit creepy. And he can talk, as I say. <laughs> I, this is weird, right? So it takes software updates, this Lego Mario. <laughs> Wait, what? And, yeah. It takes software updates, and someone noticed. Uh, I don't know if there were patch notes <laughs> for the Le- okay. Lego Mario, but anyway, this person didn't know what the update had done and noticed that when Mario, Lego Mario, woke up from a nap because it can sleep, it started calling out for Luigi. <laughs> oh, no. That means oh, <laughs> Luigi's not available, right, at the moment? Luigi's not available at the moment, but it, it seems <laughs> oh. to me... You know, either either the Mario is sentient, yeah, and it's actually like, wait, what's happened to me? Why am I a Lego? Where's my brother? <laughs> oh my god, is it Bob and Hoskins? It's taken a very dark turn, or or it's you know, marketing supreme. Uh, someone in marketing at Lego has come up with an absolute pearl of an idea, and they've done a software update that makes Lego Mario call out for his brother ahead of the announcement of a of a Lego Luigi. It's uh, it's top. That is, I'm I'm impressed. Would you um, buy a Lego? No, Yoshi. He's your guy, right? Yoshi is my guy. Um, uh, what? How much are these things? Oh, I don't know. I wouldn't like to know, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, probably not. The amount of Lego those, plus uh, electronics. You should get one of those cute knitted Yoshi's. You know the yarn Yoshi's. They did those special amiibos that were knitted. They're cute. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah, they do giant ones as well. Well, not they're not giant. I mean, they're big. They're, they're much bigger than an amiibo, but they're like a standard kind of plush toy size. But they right, they, yeah. they are still an amiibo, so you can still tap this enormous teddy bear sized <laughs> Yoshi on your Switch. He's <laughs> bigger maybe, than the Switch. Wow! And you can you can tap him yeah. on the Switch to you know unlock stuff and whatever. Maybe I need to get a, a Yoshi some Yoshi stickers for my uh, iPad to. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. Nintendo could make an absolute killing if they sold all of the various Switch player icons, which the vast majority of are really great. Yeah. like That's always the most exciting thing about Switch software updates. It's like, oh, yeah, we're not going to give you stuff you actually might like, like folders to sort your games or whatever. No, but we are going to give you loads of new player icons. And to be fair, they're all bangers. Uh, If they sold those as physical stickers, I would. there are many of them that I would buy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, so um, where were we? Disney C. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Disney uh, Josh, yeah. you had some Thought Park business as well. Uh, sorry, no, Alton Towers business to see. Yeah, sorry. Just before, just before that, um, just on the Disney C construction stuff, oh. I was just looking at the map. It looks like the entranceway will be uh, kind of not that we've been, obviously, but near Sinbad Storybook Voyage. Wait, um, have you, in that time I was rambling about Lego. Did you learn Japanese? Uh, I didn't. I I um, started comparing. I brought, brought up Google Maps and uh, <laughs> did did some comparisons against the Japanese to like figure it out. Oh, okay. Much lower level. Uh, so yeah, sort of in the sort of 
Sinbad's storybook voyage slash Jasmine's flying carpets slash raging spirit sort of area, which is currently uh, just trees. So it's sort of that fitting with that, the berm look that I was talking about earlier. The road is definitely there, which is a service road by the looks of things. Um, and then uh, it looks to me like as you go in, uh, you've got like the uh, mountain on your left-hand side, which I guess is a Peter Pan mountain. Um, that will be sort of near-ish the uh, monorail. So you'll be able to see quite a lot of this stuff from the monorail and from the Bayside station of the monorail. That Bayside station will sort of overlook uh, this area of Disney Sea. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it will be fantastically scenic. I mean, that whole part looks just tremendous, like on another level to any other park I've seen, frankly. Uh, certainly among the, you know, um, very IP-driven theme parks. So, yeah, I'm excited to see it for sure. You know, hopefully we, we're able to go by the time this thing <laughs> Two <laughs> years. You'd like to think so, right? You'd hope so. I feel like in two years uh, you're either able to travel just fine, hopefully before that, or something really bad's happened. I mean, those are the two possibilities yeah. here, right? I mean, if we're not travelling as normal in two years, and I maybe not to pre-pandemic levels of normality, maybe you'll still have to wear masks, yada, 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 but if you can't travel pretty freely, then something's, <laughs> something's got very wrong somewhere. <laughs> and uh, thinking about that just makes me sad. So let's move on. And Josh, uh, see us out with some Alton Towers business. Uh, yeah, so Alton Towers, we mentioned last week, they got some flat rides coming. Um, literally like the day that went out, Alton Towers released a trailer, which is really cool. Um, oh, yes. It was like, all like 1980s style and themed the rides were like kind of like um, Transformers coming from a different country, a different country, different planet even. And they're now in place and they look pretty good for flat rides that they've rented that are usually on a traveling uh, like f- funfair slash circus sort of circuit. Um, they've yeah. put all towers seeming on them and they look they look pretty cool. The music is not themed to Alton Towers like they have done in other areas. Like uh, Smiler has a version of uh, the Alton Towers theme tune and so does the Wicker Man. They both have um, In the Hall of the Mountain King, which is the Alton Towers theme tune. They've done versions of them for those rides, but they haven't done that for these flat rides. But yeah, they look cool. Nothing particularly to write home about. Let's see if by adding these in, they can you know get some attraction there and replace them with permanent flat rides which were pretty much where these rides were anyway. So, yeah. Nice. Well, we'll see them up close and personal in just a few short weeks. Uh, we head to Orton Towers in the first week of May. May the 4th, in fact. Star Wars Day. Yay. Oh, boy. What a day that will be. Orton Towers and then get home and watch the Bad Batch with dinner. Can't wait. Oh, Bad Batch. Come on. Yes. Yes. Anyway, uh, that's going to do it, I think, Josh. Um for another week next yeah, week I think so. Thought Park Thought Park Trip Report episode 130 that will be incredible incredible oh, baby until then of course you can keep up with the show on Twitter at Park Rush Podcast on the website parkrush.com and on Josh's blog joshualawrence.info you can of course subscribe to the show if you haven't already on your preferred podcasting app and you can email us as well podcast at parkrush.com that is going to do it 
until next week everyone stay safe hopefully the weather improves the sun is shining through my window right now which is a welcome sight because it's been a miserable week fingers crossed it's sunny for Thorpe Park next week take it easy we'll see you next time goodbye goodbye